Welcome to What Is It About the Weather, where once a week we get together and explore the many ways that weather weaves itself into our everyday lives. I'm your host, Mark Jelinek, and this is take number 5,000. No, not really, but I just had a bunch of tongue twisting before I got into the start of this episode. I should really keep some of those. Maybe do a blooper reel someday. But I'm too sensitive. I get too caught up in how people think about me. Or am I? That's what we're going to talk about today. Who's too sensitive? The forecaster or the forecastee? But before we dive into that topic and get too deep into it, let me say I hope you've had an interesting and enjoyable weather intertwined week. I also want to, of course, take a moment and thank the folks who support the podcast over at Patreon or who do so via PayPal, keeping us from being a money sink is an important part of keeping the podcast going. So thank you for that. It does make a difference. You know, this week's been all about sensitivities for me. We had a weather event come through this past weekend and I I was thrilled, right? It was going to be cold weather. We got some what I would call winter weather now, we're back to may as well be summer still. It's not quite that bad, but air conditioning's back on, unfortunately. But it reminded me, I was comparing it with with my students, actually, and talking about this event, which was kind of a blustery, windy event. Now, there was also some rain that went with it and stuff. But it was comparing to, you know, the tropical storm we had moved through our area where one or two spots got some really high winds, or this kind of line got some really high winds. But some others were very disappointed. We talked about that, about the forecast. And again, it gets back into this whole sensitivity issue. But where I'm at physically, I actually had stronger winds outside my apartment. And part of it's just the setup, the way that the direction the winds were coming and how the exposed part of where I'm at was more susceptible to winds coming from that direction than the direction they came with the tropical storm. Sensitivities, right? Being out in this weather, my students were talking about how it wasn't a lot of rain, and by Atlanta standards, it wasn't. However, if you were out driving in it, it was an exceptional amount of rain. I mean, it was it was a rain that was heavy enough to make it difficult to see people in front of you and created some certainly some pooling and puddling on the roads that if you didn't have good tires or the right kind of vehicle could lead to problems. Now, fortunately, it was a weekend day. So a little less traffic, a little less problem. But it reminded me again of these sensitivities. And all this week, you know, I saw a friend give a presentation about forecast models and, you know, sensitivities and biases and all these things were coming up. And it was, it just, I couldn't get it out of my head. So this was not a planned episode, and hopefully, in some ways, I hope it doesn't feel like one, because, well, all right, let, let's be serious for a moment about this. I'm a, I'm a sensitive person. No, not, well, maybe I am in the emotional sense. I don't know. I'm not the best person to judge that. But I am, when it comes to people doing what I consider picking on me. Now, I was the youngest child growing up. And there are pros and cons to being anywhere in the mix, you know, whether you're oldest or youngest or only or whatever it might be. But I do think having a couple older siblings set me up to be a bit more defensive maybe than some others. Maybe things don't roll off my back. I let them get get me. 
because from a very early age they were doing that. And it makes me wonder, when I look at this process and this age that we live in, right, who's more sensitive, the forecaster or the forecastee? Now, context, right? You know, 20 years ago, I'm not sure we would have been having this conversation. Even 10 years ago, you know, people talk about how the internet has changed things, but, you know, the internet's been around now for a good 20 years. I mean, readily available for 20 years. For most people, been around longer than that, but generally available to the public for 20 plus years now. However, during the last 10 or so, We've really hit what we would call the social age, you know, social media, Twitter and Facebook and all these other things that made it easy just to kind of throw a bunch of stuff out and it populate around. But I don't like that moniker because it's really not social. It's funny, when, when I think about what I was doing in 2006, 2007 with these types of platforms, there was actually interaction and I do think some people still do that. But for the most part, it's still kind of this asynchronous or linear process where somebody spits something out. Somebody else might respond at some point, but you're not really having a dialogue. You know, you're. it could be hours apart, it could be days apart. Yeah, it might be a few minutes, but it's not like you're having an exchange with somebody. So what I thought was going to happen with this Interaction, And I do think we're getting there. We see some of these other platforms where people are live broadcasting. And I think there's more of that going on. And I do think that's where we're going to go. We've created this avenue for somebody to throw out a volley and somebody to throw out something back. The difference is, from the way it used to be, is you don't actually have to hear or see that person or interact with them in any way. So I don't really consider it a social age. It's just easier to vomit out whatever you feel like vomiting out at that point in time. Probably what's been more interesting is we live in a disruption age where that's encouraged. You know, I don't care if you look at you know these different industries we've seen, and you know the Uber Lyft phenomenon, or the Airbnb, or even Amazon changing how we shop. We are clearly living in an age where disruption happens quickly. And it's happening in multiple places. And I think that has kind of, between that and this social age, and like I said, it's not really social. It's, it's platforms that just make it easy to throw out whatever you want, see what sticks. It's put two things in context. One, I do think as a society, we were becoming more sensitive, right? It's about you know, how does this person feel or that person feel? And, and I think that's actually a healthy thing. You know, we're finally thinking about things that maybe we never had the time to think about in the past. But we're also being more provocative because it is easier to lob out these volleys and to say things that maybe if you're around other people, you wouldn't do. Or maybe, why, you know, the question becomes, why wouldn't you do it? Is it you're too scared? So do you feel more empowered? And I do think we were living in that context as well. People feel more empowered. And it's empowering people that traditionally the avenues maybe weren't as readily available. 
for them to say how they felt. And I think we'd all agree it's good to get things out, but sometimes maybe the way that we're doing it still needs to be refined. But the long and the short of it, I don't care how you look at it. People, you know, one side of this thing would be people saying we're too sensitive. You know, you need to suck it up. You need to deal with the criticism, whatever it is. Yet at the other side, the criticism, you know, I, as we talk about this, I don't, there's never a justification for death threats on people, ever, on these different platforms. Yet I hear these stories all the time from peers as well. Death threats over the weather? Are you kidding me? So there needs to be some understanding of, of, of where we are. But is it really a one-sided problem? So let's be clear on this. You know, is weather just a another one of the categories that's falling into this age of, well, you're out there, so you, you're going to receive it. So, so suck it up, like I said, and get over it. Or, or have things gone too far? Now, I sit on both sides of this equation because I certainly do weather forecasting and have done that, and I am a consumer of weather products. And it puts me in a unique position at times but certainly, I'm, again, going to have this bias of most of the peers I have in my workplace are on the meteorology side, right? I mean, we all consume these things, but for the most part, we're thinking more about the forecast side itself. And there's been a lot of this, you know, there's these high-profile events, whether it's did they blow the hurricane forecast or did they blow the big winter storm forecast? And so I've seen a lot of people writing about that. You know, don't blame the weather person. You don't really understand what they do. You know, their forecasts are better than you think. And, and, you know, I've touched on this in some things, which, you know, there was an episode in September where I talked about should meteorologists go dark. And I wasn't implying that meteorologists should go away. I was implying that maybe the meteorologists shouldn't be the communicators. And, you know, in the past, we've hit on the issue about crying wolf earlier this year, I think it was in March, or how meteorologists are complicated and kind of gets into that sensitivities thing back in February. And even last year, last June, what the you know, when I first started this podcast, I was doing a week of audio followed by a, a video week. And, you know, we've, we've moved to this longer format of, of the audio structure. But one of those, I was... Taking one week off a quarter, I should probably go back to that. And I did this thank you and thank them thing, reminding people to thank their meteorologist. And so clearly you would think that I'm taking the side of the meteorologist with that. And, you know, I've seen some well-written articles about this point, some not so much. I'll put a couple in the show notes. But one that stuck with me, and I think I mentioned it before, was done by Marshall Shepard. And it really, to me, got to the the point. And some of what Marshall writes, I again, I like, I like the way he writes in general. I, I mean, I can always follow his stories, but there's a lot I don't always agree with. And a big point of his article was how much better forecasts have gotten. 
You know, you, you don't realize, and, and that would seem to be a common theme in all these things. You don't realize how much better it is than it used to be. And you know what? I think people do. This is where I think we miss the boat as meteorologists. I think they get it. But I think the counterpoint to that argument would be, yeah, but, but, you know, you guys are out there on social media doing this and the other, you're, you, you get good paying jobs. And I will tell you that they're not all good paying jobs for those meteorologists that I, I saw a forecast from a poor guy in Montana this week. that wasn't a particularly good forecast, but I also know that he doesn't make hardly anything to be doing what he's doing. But in a lot of the big markets, it's a good paying job for the people that are on air, right? So, so they get that opportunity, and we're out there pushing forecast on you and everything else. So the, so the counter-argument is, yes, but we're seeking this attention, right? You know, it's like we go, oh, trust me, this is a very hard job. You don't realize how hard it is. But I think people get that. I do think most people understand that. Maybe I'm wrong on that side as well. So, in the end, the real question becomes, am I, when these criticisms come out, you know, I look at all these companies like IBM getting into the weather business, right? Clearly companies, and there's more and more private companies doing this. It's not just... I think if everybody if everybody's forecast was free and every forecast you made was free, then it wouldn't matter. You know, I, I don't think people would lob the insults that they do. I think they would take it for what it is. But you know, we're out there going, "We'll buy this or pay us for this app or or whatever it is." Now, there's a lot of free stuff out there, but we want to be paid for what we do, just like anybody else does, right? So we always have this context, and I and I think too often that we stop and fail to recognize that sometimes there's some validity in what's being said. Yeah, the forecasts have gotten better. And maybe they can't get much better with where the technology is today, but we are constantly striving to improve that. However, is the criticism really about the forecast? Or is it about that individual and their circumstances? Now, this doesn't mean that, you know, people who complain are always justified in what they do. Someone gets a bad forecast off an application, you know, off their phone, and they go screaming at a local weatherman about it when they may not even have watched that weather, the weather report from that local weather person. And, I, you know, that, that doesn't make any more sense either. So, we're, you know, where, where does all this go? Because as I see it right now, weather forecasters get upset because people complain. People complain, you know, I, I was at that conference. I, I don't remember if I mentioned this. Going up on the elevator and hear somebody say, oh, job where you're only 50% of the time you're right. You know what? I just, that my, my old self <laughs> would be, but you know I just I've heard that so many times I just let it roll so I do think and I, I here's what you don't hear is I think if you realized how many criticisms are lobbed at people 
And for the dumbest things about even how they look and everything, you, you know, you on one hand, you want these people to be trained and professional. And on the other hand, people just throw out insults. And, and again, there's this misconception, right? Some people don't realize that more and more meteorologists that you're seeing in front of you on air are very trained in the science. Traditionally, maybe they weren't, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And again, all that plays into this mix. So I don't think it's a simple problem. But, but there's got to be some ground to where we deal with this. And I, th I think part of it is going to be the environment's going to change. I think one thing if this year has taught us, I, I, you know, anytime I go into social media, and it's one of the things that has driven me away from using things like Facebook is I go in and I see posts where they say, well, most people, blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, the majority of blah, 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 blah. But they don't know. They're just pulling that out of air, <laughs> just like I'm pulling things out of air at times. But we all become these experts, right? We all think we know everything, and that's part of the problem. So where does all this leave? Who is more sensitive? I don't know. I think there's problems on both sides. I think some of these articles I've seen written are, to some extent, maybe it's people having enough to others. It's the same people not realizing that what you really need to do is just say, it doesn't matter. It's like comments pages. They'll tell you anymore. Just don't bother reading the comments. And it's like, well, why do we even bother having comments? And it's because, you know, we're in this social thing. Everybody, it's all about clicks and likes and everything else. You know, I don't know if any of you were watching the Orville sci-fi series on Fox. Kind of Star Trek-ish. A little more humor. They did an episode last couple weeks about a society built upon likes. And if you got too many downvotes over your life, and, and they didn't go away. I mean, that was the beauty of it, right? It wasn't like you could delete the account and it went away. They were stuck with you forever. And if you got too many dislikes, particularly it would happen if you did something that was perceived as wrong, right? You essentially got a lobotomy where they kind of made you all happy, reconditioned you or whatever. And I hope we're not going that direction. And I think that's kind of part of what the episode was about is we need to get away from thinking that way. But we don't do a good job with it. And so hopefully that transition is going to come away. But I'll offer this up. Right? These thoughts when it comes to how to deal with it when you're personally dealing with maybe a forecaster or a product that you don't think does well. Keep in mind, number one, with, particularly with the human side of it, lives are at stake sometimes with weather. Lives. And it's tough when lives are at stake. Those of us who take our job seriously and we know when lives are at stake, that's what we care about is doing all we can to save lives and property as well. Two, there's no doubt we need to get better at the communication. You know, this, this came up this week is how do we better share probabilities? And you've heard me harp on this. It, it's not just about me convincing you you need to pay attention to it. It's me figuring out ways that you'll want to pay attention to it, a reason to do so, as well as sharing better confidence. One of the articles I read about this topic focused on any good forecast should have confidence. I agree with that. It should. But are you, the consumer, willing to absorb 
that confidence and take it away and understand it. And I do think it's important to put in context that just like any profession, right, there's some meteorologists that are excellent, right, cream of the crop kind of stuff. And the vast majority are good at what they do. Yet whether it's the human side or the application side, there are some that are junk, just not very good. And remember not to lump everybody in with those. Just move on. Delete the app. Go to another one. Stop listening to that meteorologist. All right? So, okay, all that's great. Those are some few takeaways and context, I guess, to put around it. But how do we improve? How do we genuinely improve this situation in an era where, let's be clear, we want more, but we want it faster as well. Yeah, I, I don't. I read articles, you know, getting set up for this. More and more news articles and research articles. Research articles usually vetted pretty well. But in this, you know, this age where it's like, gotta get it out, gotta get it out. I don't know how many typos a day, but we seem to be okay with that, right? But it really boils down to, I think, you know, at the core. If you really graded forecasters every day, you would come up with a different grade. So it's important to keep in mind that you're likely judging them on a high-profile event. That said, I think it's fair to do the following. Have the question-based dialogue. Ask them. Don't say, that was a dumb forecast, when you might even not be blaming them. Say, why was it that the forecast was X? And be prepared to substantiate what you're claiming. Like, if it's their forecast that you're questioning, be prepared to say, you said the following, but this opposite thing happened or this other thing happened. Why? And expect them. And if it's a good forecaster, they'll probably ask you some clarifying questions. Like, what is it about the forecast that you didn't think was good? Was it a specific, was it the temperature? Or the fact that you know, we talked about precipitation, you didn't get any. Or they may ask you, did you see, did you hear us mention that we thought this was low confidence or stuff? Did you tune in the whole time we were talking about this or when? It should be a dialogue. Because that's the only way it's really going to change. And that's the only way they're going to take you credibly. Because I do think that more and more we're in an age where people who get criticized all the time, have to develop thick skin or they just can't get through the day. Now, I also think that competition's important. And I say this, I, you know, I'm a firm believer in what the public-private components of the weather enterprise and just weather forecasting in general. I do think there's a component that should be very focused on making weather forecast available for everyone of any means so that they can protect themselves and their property, et cetera, and those around them. But I also understand that there are people that have different sensitivities, mind you, of things that are important to them that should pay for specialized forecast, and they do. And I think that's important. But I also think it's important within that that there be lots of different people doing it because competition of getting better will make those forecasts better both in the public and private sector, and I do think it needs to be encouraged in all fronts. Competition, healthy competition, productive competition is a good thing. But also remember, 
Do you take everybody to task the same way you take your weather person to task for people who give you forecast? And I, one of the things, you know, I, like I said, I saw a presentation from a friend of mine that's a meteorologist this week, and I look back at an exchange we had many years ago about not wanting to do a forecast when the confidence levels weren't high. It's like it felt stupid. It's like, why are we even doing this forecast? But, you know, sometimes you'd have to do it, and you got to remember that. Weather people got to do this every day. Sometimes it's boring forecast. Sometimes it's interesting. Sometimes they know there's a good chance the forecast is going to have problems or some portion of who's receiving that forecast is going to have issues with it. Every day they've got to do it, all day long. And for you, every day you kind of want to know, you know, people like to know what's going on with the weather. Now, a lot of us may tune it out on sunny, bright days and only care about it. Again, gets into the sensitivities on very important days, days we've got a big event, or days when the weather is probably most likely to have sensitivities to it. And we'll get into this, and we're going to get back to our series about kind of how your weather forecast gets to you next week. And we'll talk about some of that as we move from the kind of the data entry into the model phase. But look at others around you, right, who predict things, whether it's stocks or financial-related things, sporting event outcomes, right? Or think about others who have lives at stake, right? Policemen, firemen, or people who kind of do both, doctors. Right? And a doctor's another classic example. You go in, see a doctor, and they're kind of forecasting what's going to happen if you do or don't do certain things or trying to get to a diagnosis. And so there is some, it's, it's a guesswork, but they're trying to guess with knowledge at hand. And it's incredible what we're getting to in this day and age now where we have a better understanding of past cases and genetics and all these things that, that help us. But it's still a lot of guesswork. So when you're having these dialogues, remember the fact, do you walk into your doctor's office and immediately accuse them of, well, you're lucky you have a job, you only get it right 50% of the time, or, or, or those sort of things. Just keep that in mind when you're having a dialogue with your weather forecaster. Maybe if they understood why you cared about it so much, that helps them think about it next time they're issuing a forecast to be reminded of maybe something they hadn't thought about that was of particular interest to yeah, you might be just a single you know, listener or viewer or reader, but maybe you represent more than they've realized. So that's how they get better. All right. So enough of me babbling on about this. I don't, you know, I don't know the answer. I think in some ways both sides are too sensitive. I think we've become too sensitive, expecting more when the realities are the science and or the technology is not there today, maybe in the future. But on the flip side, you know, we get these hyped up things or feel like we're being sold a certain level of understanding and knowledge because we hear about these new great things and Doppler 8000, you know, model, the latest model, blah, 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 blah. And you may not think a 10% improvement is, is a big deal where a meteorologist might think so. It's all about sensitivities, what's important to you, right? But how good are you at forecasting? And I think that's the only way, if, if you don't do forecasting for a living, if you really want to put yourself in the shoes of a meteorologist just for a bit, you try to do the forecast. 
for a week this weekend. You know, do a forecast for Atlanta. Now, you may say, hey, but you're paid to do that. That's fine. That's fine, you know. But pick anything that maybe something else. You think, you know, you know your sports teams. Predict who's going to win the NFL games or whatever league you might be watching or the EPL or the cricket match. Or food. You know, you can do something this simple. And this works for maybe in a family setting. But let, let's say on a Sunday you go, okay, here's what I think we'll be eating for dinner this week. doesn't really work good if it, you're the only person because you've got too much control over it. you got to look to things where you don't have a lot of control. And even if you have a routine, you may find that there you start to understand the sensitivities of why, sensitivities of why things may have gotten off track. So predict the dinners at your house for the week. Or you want to do something individually. Look at your commute. If you've got a commute that can range in time, on Sunday, predict how exactly how long it's going to take you Monday through Friday to get to work or to get home. And understand how you may have either changed your route or the time you left based on the information you were given and how much did that impact the actual arrival time. Or stocks. It, it doesn't matter what it is. Pick something and just forecast for the next week what you think it's going to do. See how you do. See how you do. And then, you know, look at it a week later and go, how did I do? Where did I do well? Where didn't I? And why might it have messed up? Because just like those things that have different inputs coming at you and we can't tell the future, weather's the same way. And this is this is the challenge. Models are good. And, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to get back to this and understand. So you better understand why they fail you and why they don't at, you know, at different times, these sensitivities and biases that you've heard me mention. I'm going to talk about that a bit more next week. But it's one thing for me to talk about. It's something else for you to experience. And that's why I think it's good to go in and, you know, try to do some forecasting yourself. Because I think you'll start to appreciate that there are, Things that you can always count on in your environment and things that you realize that you have very little control over. And no matter how good forecasters are and how good the models are, they still have some of those same challenges in what they do. All right, let's wrap up. I had no idea this was going to run this long, and I'm sure I babbled. But this has been in my brain all week. Hopefully in there somewhere you got something useful out of it. I think end of day. The, the point is, my point is always, don't complain about a forecast. Question the why and give that person a chance to respond and have a dialogue with you. It'll be much more meaningful to both sides about where things go forward. All right. Let me know how your forecast goes. What is it about the weather at gmail.com or what is it about the weather.com? slash contact you know the drill also from a support standpoint yeah I mentioned the Patreon up front again thanks to all who do support the podcast rate share validate pledge you can learn more about that and our RSVP method at whatisitaboutthewether.com slash support so until next time when we'll be talking about weather models get into 
sensitivities in a different perspective. Actually, we'll spend more time focused on that bias word than we will on sensitivities, but you'll get a sense of sensitivities. And I'll try not to use the word sensitivities nearly as much next week in the sensitivity-oriented topics because it can get overly sensitive at times, can it? But until next time, until next time, may you have an interesting, enjoyable, delightful, pleasant, whatever it might be, weather week. Something new, something different, something intertwined in an interesting way. Because as we all know, there's much more to weather than the weather itself. This is two white sofa production. We're tired of hearing our uncle grovel, so please support him on patreon.com slash weather.